0: Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. And today, we are going to have an awesome episode with one of my idols, gurus, and leading global figures in the space of the future of work and cities, Dr. Jonathan Rakenthal, who is the CEO of Human Futures, a global technology and business education advisory and investment firm. He's also the former chief information officer for the City of Alo Alto, and a multiple award-winning technology leader whose 30-year career has spanned both the private and public sectors. He co-hosts the popular podcast, Drinking Wine and Talking Tech, and he's currently working on his latest book about smart cities with Wally & Co., a big-time publisher, which is set to release in the summer of 2020. So I'm so excited to have him on today's episode of unleashing the future of work. And let's go ahead and bring him on and show him some love. And while I do that, please let me know where are you tuning in from? Dr. Rakenthal. What's up, man?
1: (laughs) Hi there, Tim. Your your enthusiasm is contagious. I can feel it across the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. How's your day going? So far, so good. It's yeah, it's the morning. We're we're up here in Northern California, you know, in the Silicon Valley area, and uh, yeah, it's mid morning. It's a it's a lovely blue sky outside, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 ready for this, and I'm so happy to to join you today. You know, we're so thankful to have you on the Unleashing the Future of Work series.
0: In fact, we have our audience from all over the world tuning in right now. Alexis is saying, "What's up? How's it going?" Uh, so shout out to Alexis and shout out to everyone that is watching live from wherever you are. We have people often tuning in from Africa, Nigeria. We have people tuning in from the UK. It's always awesome. Dr. Cedric Spears right now is tuning in and watching this episode. So shout out to you all. With that said, you know, Mr. Rekentile, it is an honor to have you on the series. You know, I've followed your work for quite some time now. um, And I actually found out and discovered you through LinkedIn learning. I think I've told you this before when we first met and it was just phenomenal the thought leadership you are putting out around the future of work, and more importantly, how passionate you are about the education. But we would love, I would love to hear, tell us a little bit about your background.
1: What led sure. you to doing the work that you do now and starting Human Futures? Great. Well, th- thanks for that. And it's great to be here. I, this is my first LinkedIn broadcast. Um, I know this eventually will be on other platforms, but I'm, I'm happy to be a uh, Sort of experiencing this for the first time with you, uh, no better person to do it with. Um, you know, I say, despite my youthful appearance, you know, I've been doing this uh, now over thirty years. Can you wow. believe it? thirty years? Yeah. Um, you know, you just have to have a good diet and you know, a lot of fruit, a lot of vegetables. You know, um, and, and you keep looking you young. And um, no, I, w- I was born in Europe. I was born in Ireland, and you know, I made the uh, the the sort of uh, American. Um, emigration dream happened. you know, I was, mm. I was uh, accepted so well into this country and uh, Became a citizen here uh, a few years ago and you know, I've been I've been uh, quite successful in uh, Working for different organizations and mm. in, in many different technology roles, you know, I I have done everything in tech I have pulled cables through ceilings. I've crimped wires You know, I've I've been assist administrator, done a little programming here and there, Mm. and uh, and on and on. And eventually, I became you know the CIO, the chief information officer and chief technology officer role uh, for for a couple of organizations, uh, notably O'Reilly Media in Northern California, and then um, and surprisingly, even for me, uh, the CIO of a city, the city of Palo Alto, um, which I was there for seven years. Had an amazing experience. I, I learned so much about. Uh, the world of cities, but I, mm. I think I learned more about me than than anything. Uh, you know, um, that that's one of the unexpected outcomes of that experience is uh, learning about the world and and relating to the world in, in completely different ways. Um, but I, you know, I've been thinking about what is it that I do and and you know, mm. kind of what what do I enjoy doing and and what apparently am I okay that you know because people have told me, hey, Jonathan, you're pretty good at this. It's education. Yeah, it turns out that I found a passion for helping others um, mm. through acquiring knowledge and and also through work helping people get experiences uh, refining skills and so I do a lot of education type work on, on almost every type of platform I, as you said uh, Tim I do um, a lot of online training through LinkedIn learning mm. and, and, uh, and a few other smaller platforms but that's my main one um, and I do traditional university work so, you know, last night I was teaching from six until ten at the University of San Francisco, and I'll do the same thing tonight again up in uh, downtown San Francisco, a different location. Um, so, uh, you know, I've I've had I, I've been involved deeply in the technology world, uh, very passionate about innovation in particular, hmm. um, technology innovation, and uh, you know, and and it's all sort of contextualized in this in the realm of education. So. Uh, That's just a a little glimpse of who I am and my background.
0: And and so interesting because you have such a dynamic background and it's a lend to your perspective. You not only have seen how things operate right with big enterprises and firms, but you also see how things operate for citizens and cities and their day to day life. You know, I would love to get your perspective. You know, one, let's start with this. How do you see leadership changing in the future of work?
1: Yeah. No, I, I love that you raised this idea that, um, you know, I, I got exposure to both the private sector and the public sector. It's like a 360 degree view, view. of life. Mm. Um, you know, before I worked for a city, I, I only kind of saw 50% of the world. I, I mean, I didn't really understand public service. Mm. I didn't even understand how a city worked and, yeah, you know, the the it, it exposed me to this completely different world of how, Cities function, how our governments function—not only here in the U.S., by the way, but all over the world. I've been—I've been so privileged to to help governments in South America, and the Middle East, and Europe, and even you know Australia and South and other places. Um, and so it does give it, it does give every you know if you if you have the privilege to do that, which I had, it does give you this very unique perspective on on mm. work and and, uh, and 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 our and and the global economy in general, and then. Mm. Clearly, I've spent a lot of my time in the U.S. Um, really understanding how the how the U.S. functions. Um, you know, everything is changing. You know, mm. everything is changing, and, and 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 actually changing quite rapidly, as we all know. We're in the midst of what I believe to be a fourth industrial revolution. Mm. And if you look at if you look back at the first, second, and third industrial revolutions, um, the world that entered into each of those was different from the world on the other side. Mm. If you were born before, you know, the second industrial revolution, and lived through a few decades of that, the world was changing rapidly. If you were born at the beginning of the twentieth century and lived the twentieth century, mm. I mean, look what you ex- were exposed to—everything from, you know, we didn't fly at the beginning of the century barely, and then we had we had the Concorde and seven forty sevens and the, the Boeing seven eighty seven by the end of the by the end of the century. Um, there was no computers, no digitization. Mm. Um, so now we enter this fourth, which is this convergence of, you know, the, the physical world, the digital world and, and mm. biology. And it's all happening in a, in a world of changing demographics and political alignments. So no doubt it's going to affect leadership mm. and it could affect work. You know, part of it is you know, part of entering a new revolution or a time of great transition mm. is we don't know how things are going to emerge. True. You know, it does create. This uncertainty, it it creates a high degree of unpredictability. Um, Some of us thrive on that, but a lot of people don't like it. They don't like the uncertainty, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So we we have to sort of factor it into our world and and realize that if you're experiencing higher degrees of change and maybe even higher degrees of anxiety around this change, it's normal because we Mm -hmm. are going through this shift. Businesses are changing. The way businesses are delivering are changing. You know, so if you're a leader... Which, by the way, I think continues to be a very important job—the leadership role, the management role, the Mm. project management role. These are very good roles to continue. um, That will continue to be uh, highly um, in 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 high demand and and important in the future. Regardless of AI and automation, we still need humans who can facilitate uh, activities and make things happen in concert with uh, with with technology. So I think with with leadership, what you're going to see is, um, you know, a a great leader Hmm. is going to have to be able to manage many different types of demographics at the same time. Hmm. You're going to have several generations in your workforce and each one has a different um, uh, set of needs. Uh, Each one works differently. Um, So, you know, like everything else, being a leader or a manager or supervisor is getting more complicated. Um, I think we're also seeing a uh, mm. shift away from uh, leaders who are sort of managing people to more managing ideas and giving people the space mm. to be independent and autonomous and uh, work the way they want to work, which includes, by the way, being in the office or actually yeah. being at home. You know, yeah. um, this is just a tease. It, it, it's shifting. It's changing. And the, by the way, the type of leaders we need are changing we need people who understand data you know we need we need a lot more people who understand the role of data in their organizations no matter what what work you do um, we need people who can manage under periods of uncertainty yeah um, and high degrees of um, you know just 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 um, pressures from from a from a rapidly evolving marketplace um, you know we, we're, we're gonna lose that comfort that we had maybe in in, in the 20th century um, where sort of this this need to be able to understand what's going on, adapt quickly, mm. manage a, a very diverse workforce, and still be successful and have a good life. These are going to be um, areas that we we will see leaders and managers having to develop.
0: So, really being able to manage different demographics and really understanding that you at the heart of leadership, it's a matter of managing ideas, not necessarily processes and you know, ordering people around, but ideas, grand ideas, and seeing how do they scale and what are the right ideas based on data that you know should be pushed forth
1: right at the executive level. Yeah, I mean, you kind of go. If you go back to sort of work in the sort of the the second industrial revolution where we start yeah. to see the first factories and stuff, it's very much like building widgets. It's like you do that for eight hours or ten <laughs> hours you know put that put that little piece of technology you know put that little widget on that things put that screw in you know that, that's kind of work but obviously we've we've entered a new era in the 20th century now heading into the 21st century many of us are you know information workers. Mm. Um, and, um, and 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 in the manufacturing space, we're seeing a lot more automation. Uh, mm. so that, those roles are shifting too. Um, there's still a lot of work in the service sector, of course. We still need a lot of people there. Um, but the idea that, you know, we go into work as a leader and we tell people what to do, yeah. I think that's, that's going away. People don't want that. They they want to know what the outcome is. And then mm. be, they, they want the ability to be able to go after that outcome. And, and that generates... Um more trust and basically more love be- from your staff. Yeah. Your um, you know, p- people people want that meaning as well when they go to work in the morning. Um, so you know, if 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 you're kind of a leader kind of trying to think through what what do I need to do mm. to be a successful leader, um, you you're gonna have to really understand what your workforce is looking for to be successful and engage in that conversation.
0: That's deep. That's deep, Jonathan. Please dive deep on that. Because you know what I love about what you're saying, uh, Mr. Rekentow is the fact that you're saying that there's this paradigm shift to leadership, right? That's happening. Right. And I think for me as someone that's building a company, and I'm sure you've seen this with some of the government leaders that you've been working with and how they're thinking about citizenship in this new era. They have to develop new skills and a new mindset. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts, even for you, how have you changed as a leader? And what do you think is some of those skills and mindsets, you know, this next generation of leaders need to start embodying?
1: Wow, that's that's big. Uh, that's, that's a lot of uh, thoughts there. Um, but the right you're asking all the right questions, which yeah. is um, You know i'll just kind of tell you what i'm thinking immediately i I wish i had a couple hours to think about those important questions but you know there's there's more of a need to listen
0: Mm.
1: we we gotta we gotta be better at listening uh you know we 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 think that if someone comes to see us
0: Mm.
1: they want something from us and, and 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 we have to kind of give that amazing epiphany that that Uh, you're going to walk into your manager's office and your manager is going to say, do this, do this, Mm. do this. You're going to be successful. And i leave my office where in the reality, there's a greater need to sort of just sit and listen and, and to empathize to, to say, tell me what's on your mind. How are you feeling about what's going on or where you're succeeding, where you're having challenges? Um, What do you Mm. think? You know, um, it's a different period. It's, we're in, in, in a much, uh, we're, we're in a period of much greater empathy and and relationship building between the different stakeholders, uh, you know, w- within a within an organization. Mm. You know, I think a lot of leaders are struggling. To be honest with you, you know, they're they're sort of caught up maybe in an in an older mindset, and the world around them is moving past them, if you like. You know, they're they're trying to figure out if you if you're running a private organization, why, um, mm. you know, why are some organizations which deliver exactly the same services I do and have access to the same resources I have, why are they being more successful? Mm. You know, in, in a world that's flatter, where everybody has access to the same capabilities, how, to do, how do you differentiate yourself? I mean, that's, that's a tough question. Um, I think for me, because you asked me what what am I doing, um, mm. I think I'm placing a lot more emphasis on relationships.
0: Mm. You
1: know, Less on transactions, more on relationships. Um, you know, people do business with people. You know, they 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 don't do business with a necessarily with a product. You know, not a robot. <laughs> we don't do business with robots. Not yet. <laughs> soon, soon. Yeah. So, so I think that's probably where I'm putting greater emphasis. You know, requesting more feedback. Mm. Um, you know, having a much more um, fluid sort of you know mechanism to understand what what I'm doing well, where I can improve, what my customers are asking me. Um, you know, I do think in in, in a, a hyper competitive world mm. um, you ha- have to continually ask and understand what your value is. Wh- mm. what is it that I'm bringing? You know, and I by the way,'m I'm, I'm a little kind of rough on myself because I, I ask that a lot. you know, uh, am I still relevant? you know am I still adding mm. value? I think that's an important tough introspective question that each of us probably, or to be asking ourselves more than we do.
0: I completely agree 100%. And you know, it's so interesting, our audience is already interested in you telling us a little bit more about Smart Cities for Dummies, right? The new book that you're working on. You know, what was the purpose for writing that book? Martita, shout out to you, great question. You know, tell us about the premise of it and what do you want it to be about? What do you want the audience and the community you're writing it for to take away from it?
1: Yeah, isn't that a great name? Smart I, dummies. I think it's a phenomenal name, actually. <laughs> to have smart and dummies in the same title, <laughs> I, I couldn't ask for a better title. Um, no, it, it is quite funny. Um, I, I've struggled with this idea of the term smart cities for, for yeah. a long, long time. And Many mayors will say to me, Jonathan, is it a good name? Does yeah. It doesn't mean that before we were a smart city, we were a dumb city. You know, I, I, I get that a lot. And I, My only answer is, look, I don't know if it's the best term, but it's the one we have. What are you going to do, right? Smart cities is a term that seems to have stuck. And, you know, let, let's not get too caught up in the name. We're mm. really talking about how do we improve the quality of life for communities? Mm. That's it. It's as simple as that. What can we do to improve the life, the quality of life for communities? And what role does technology have?
0: Mm. You
1: know, how can we use data, sensors, blockchain or artificial intelligence to make living in cities better i mean that's really the heart of it so i was approached i mean i'm I'm really just so humbled i was approached by wiley um i didn't seek it um you know i've been in the smart city space for a long time hmm. and so i got a phone call from one of the senior editors and and she said hey would you be interested in writing a book in smart cities and i said you know i i ever since i left the city of palo alto um, one of my uh, one of the things that i had on my to do list for a long time was to write a book um, with a with a great publisher. So the timing was immaculate. The timing was so terrific. Um, so uh, I didn't realize it was going to be in the Dummy series. It turns out the Dummy series is the largest reference series in history. They've sold wow. over three hundred million books. Wow! Uh, I hope to have a a few of those uh, sales. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so it is, it is a very well sought after and respected, uh, reference series all over the world. And, you know, you can get a dummies book on, on fishing, on how to program in Python, how to invest in the market. You know, it's, it's an amazingly diverse, it's true. Uh, series. so I'm asked to do this thing. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting platform. Fortunately, it's already established. Mm-hmm. It has a template. So now it's like, Oh, cool. I can just sort of fit, you know, uh, my ideas and my research and my experiences into this format and it's worked really, really well. So it's coming out um, in in the summer, if everything goes well. Um, I think it'll be the go-to book for anybody who's interested in the future of cities. I Mm. think that's the first measurement, right? If you you have any interest in where your community is going or could go, if you're interested in how cities function and how they will function in the future, this is the book. And you know, because it's a dummies book, it's written in simple language. I'm not, you know, I'm writing it for everyone. I, I, I'm not going to, you know, I, I can't stand when I pick up a tech, you know, book and it's sort of like it, it already has lost me because I don't understand you know, some of the, the, you know, the background information or the prerequisites. I've written this. If you know nothing about how a city functions, mm. you can pick up a book and within a few minutes, within a couple hours of reading chapter one and chapter two, you're like, this is cool. I have a much better sense of what's going on, why my city is the way it is, and more importantly, what can we do about it. So then mm-hmm. you get that other audience, which is um, folks like hacktivists. You know, hacktivists are people who who use, uh, you know, the 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 platform of hackathons and 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 um, uh, you know, uh, cutting corners to sort of take action and make things happen when the bureaucracy gets in the way those are people I'd love to appeal to and urban innovators, you know, people mm. who are really passionate about the communities. I think the vendor space is going to be interested. How do you sell to a government? You know, mm. how do you sell it to a city? It's a, by the way, globally, it's a multi trillion dollar opportunity. Trillion. Wow. You know, Wow. You know, so as you kind of look out and you look at industries that are maybe declining and a lot are right. And there's some uncertainty. At least I can say, Well, cities is a great place to play. And they're, you know, unlike a private industry, which has maybe, you know, one or two products and and sort of focuses on one marketplace, big cities have, you know, 100 services, you know, everything from libraries to healthcare to public safety and energy and transportation and buildings. I mean, it's just incredibly rich and diverse. Um, So I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm, again massively humbled to have this opportunity. I'm so happy they picked me. They could have picked <laughs> other great people, but I, I'm the lucky guy. Um, it's coming out quite well. The, the feedback I get from you know the reviews, the technical reviewers and the reviews before it gets published is very positive. Um, and by the way, just one last point on this. I don't mean to go on too much about it. Is um, it is available for pre-order on Amazon? <laughs> wow, that's awesome! So it's already out there. It is already available uh, for order. You go to Amazon and just type in "Smart Cities for Dummies" and you can order it. Yeah. I love, it. I love, it. and I think what's so fascinating about
0: you know your premise of the book is that you're exploring what the relationship between leaders who are leading, you know, cities, who are building cities, and what the what the what the relationship is between the citizens as well, even though it's going to be, you know, the fundamental, the building blocks, the, the simple principles, there hasn't been a book that I've read. And I'm really actually interested in this space with a lot of the work I do in technology, but how does how, do, how will education look in the future of cities, right? Like there's no, yeah. there haven't been books that really distill the essence of that. So I'm yeah. actually really excited um, to, to read Smart
1: Cities for Dummies because you've been leading this space for so
0: long now.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and I know this is really your sweet spot too because you're building a business which is around, you know, m- making it easier for a, a much larger, broader audience to consume and learn things. And I think you have a really, really smart idea with your with your guide business. Um, hopefully, you'll share more with your list, your viewers and listeners on that uh, great idea. Um, so, one of the things I didn't share is why why just why do we care about cities? You know, yeah. I mean, the, the the data is fantastic on this topic. First mm. of all, we are now an urban species. It mm. wasn't really that way, right? You only have to go back to two thousand seven and and before and we there was more humans in a rural area right we were more in the countryside and in farms and things and so that's recent that's 12 years ago we 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 went from being you know 49% uh, urban to being 51% urban and now it's rapidly escalating we have about 3 million people up to 3 million people move into cities every week wow you know, so it's, it's it's you know we'll have billions we'll have a couple of billion more by the middle of the century um and, you know, cities generate most of the world's GDP, about 70% of the GDP. Mm. Um, and, you know, they, they, they are now the heart and beat of the human experience. Um, the rural areas are still important. Agriculture is still vital. Mm. We're shifting. We're automating more of that and more people are moving into the cities. because so life is better, mostly is better in cities. And, and, and it is the, you know, it's been called the greatest human invention. You know, mm. Cities have brought more people out of extreme poverty than anything else. And it continues to do that every single day. Now, the data shows that the more people that are educated mm. in a city, the more successful the city is. If there's a direct empirical evidence for this. Um, so the cities that have universities and colleges and other types of educational establishments or governments and, and organizations that promote learning through multiple channels, those cities are more productive. The people are wealthier, and as a consequence, there's more tax revenue. The services are better, um, and you see that city after city. You see San Francisco, of course, New York City, you know, Paris, <laughs> definitely. You know, by Singapore, you know, Melbourne, Australia. Um, don't want to lose any. Don't want to uh, disenfranchise any part of the world. But you see these cities in all in all parts of the world that have put a focus on education, have an mm. educational infrastructure, and they're seeing the success of it. The other aspect, of course, is – and I know you didn't ask me. I'm just going to offer it up anyway – is the difference between an open city and a closed city.
0: Hmm.
1: Talk or, to us a little bit more city. about that. That's interesting. What, yeah, what's the difference? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and I mean it will it, vary by culture and by interpretation. But hmm. the more that the society enables people to be as free as they want to be, they have the ability to express themselves in the way they hmm. want to be. That results in a more productive, a wealthier city. Now, closed communities, societies that have, you know, have more authoritarian type of uh, rule sets. um, And there are more um, constraints for what people can do and how they do it. And by the way, the difficulty, like a good test is how long does it take to form a business? You (laughs) you 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 can go country by country and say, you know, uh, in one country, it takes um, three weeks yeah. from the point in which you put the paperwork in and you get that permission to uh, your, your company's forming. three weeks. Some, it's two months. Some places, it's a few hours. Wow. You know? So that's the difference between a society or a city or a region that has, you know, decided to be sort of embrace the ability for people to, f- to be more free in what they do. And that includes being able to do it quickly, hmm. you know, so, um, you know, one of the one of the um, examples and I, I, I want to be uh, sensitive to to your audience is what happened in Argentina over the last few years, uh, yeah. few decades. So, you know, just go back a few decades and Buenos Aires was a very prosperous, wonderful city, a lot of education, extremely educated people. Um, and it was very open. And over a few decades, it be- became closed more and more. And today, it, Argentina struggles, as you know. You know, I don't think. I, I think they have the opportunity to to to, to break out and do amazing things, um, but Buenos Aires went from being this very prosperous open city to today mm. um, having quite a lot of difficulties as a response of being not as mm, more closed. And, mm. you know. So let me
0: ask you, you know, the difference between with the difference between open and closed cities. I love that cuz I've actually visited Oman before, which is a city in the Middle East and they have a more of a closed ecosystem, right? It takes months to start a business in Oman. Um and I think I've 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 experienced firsthand what a closed ecosystem like city looks like. I want to ask you, you know, within your book because we have uh, one Martito, one of the lovely yep. members of our unleashing the future of work community, she's saying, Will you be addressing poverty or special dr- districts in the book? I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> will you be a poverty? Will, will you be addressing poverty or special districts in the book?
1: Yes, yes, I will. Um, because it is a high-level Kind of in some ways entry level book. I don't go terribly deep on it, yeah. Um, but I do touch on these important topics. Um, look, let me be real clear. I I, mm. I kind of paint a pretty optimistic picture of cities, um, but we still have you know one in three, one in four people in the world they they live in a slum in a city,
0: yeah. You know,
1: and 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 so you know the, the, there's great tragedy there. It, it's evolving more rapidly than ever before to be more positive, um, but life within cities um for many people still is tough. Mm. Um, you know, statistically, more people are benefiting, but you know, if if I said to you, you know, um, you know, there, there's still a billion people inside cities who have a very, very tough life, that's a billion people. And right? that yeah. matters. Right. Um and so I do I do talk about, you know, the 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 continued challenges we have and 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 ways in which uh, different cities are succeeding in, in overcoming that. Um, these are tough topics. Something like homelessness. I mean, this is mm. a very, very big topic now, not only in the U.S. but all over the world. I mean, it's a tragedy. We, we, and and not, and of course, not easy to fix, but we can fix it. We can mm. fix it. Um, yeah, and I and I talk about uh, innovation districts, and and special economic zones, um, how they have benefited cities. So there, you know, the the toolbox for city leaders is vast. You know, and the question is, wow. what, what is your strategy? Where do you prioritize, um, you know, how much budget do you have available to you or how, how can you get the funding you need? What, what, what funding sources are available? Um, but we're, you know, I'm very optimistic that we now see a new generation of city leaders, new city managers, Mm. a new generation of elected officials who are, you know, many of them are, are either generation X like myself or, or millennials now as they, they, they really, you know, enter the mainstream of, of employment. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, they're they digital natives. They get tech and, and they, and they want to make change and they're impatient. You know, so
0: Jonathan, how do you see, you know, our relationship with the cities we live in changing due to the nature of the amount of tools and, you know, technology that city managers and government leaders now have?
1: <clears throat> well, people want to be more engaged. They, they yeah. actually want more of a voice. And, and that's mm. right. I mean that's what democracy is about. Yeah, you know we 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 elect people to to do things on our behalf, but that doesn't mean we check out. Mm. You know, democracy does mean participating. It means yeah. being part of your community, and and it's not I, you know I say it's not a spectator sport. Democracy. <laughs> is not a spectator sport. It's Don't not. Don't sit back and watch it happen because you know if you do, you're basically. Giving others the right to impose their way of living on you, and 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 we see mm. the consequences of that all over the world. Um, you know, if you want to have your ideas heard and and acted on, you got to participate. So I think I think that is a big change. You know, there's more tools before maybe you have to, you know, come to a every two weeks, come to a, a a dull sort of council meeting on a on a on a Wednesday night at you know seven o'clock you know, when, when actually you want to be at home with your children or yeah. doing something else. Now you can, uh, many communities, you can you can dial in by video or telephone. You can uh, mm. access online platforms to be able to express your point of view. Um, you can even build solutions for your community, which I think mm. is uh, one of my uh, areas of interest and where I've spent a lot of time is you can sort of co-create with the community or build uh, an app that solves a problem. Um, so I, I do think that is forcing the relationship to be different, mm. you know, uh, between community and, and, uh, and the leaders, uh, at city hall, you know, um, I don't know if I answered everything you asked. There was a the second part where mm. I don't no, know, you know, I, I, think you, 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 you actually hit it,
0: hit it home. Right. In a sense, we want to be listened to better with the technology that we have at our disposal. And I think what you touch on around this idea of co-creative, co-creating communities, Right. So really opening up, you know, the city's resources to citizens who want to build solutions for the city. And for me, I'm really community driven in, in the work that I do. And I think what's fascinating about what your I think your book and also your background also in the future workspace is that it might give people smart cities for dummies this opportunity to kind of at a foundational level, at a beginner level, understand where do those things intersect? right? Because I very well do believe um, that, you know, the future of work and cities have an overlap, right? Because if we're even thinking about what's going on right now with this whole coronavirus epidemic, right, and um, hysteria, that people are staying home more, right? A lot of organizations are encouraging work from home policies. It's almost as if like certain cities are encouraging um, their, um, their, their citizens to stay home, right? So how does this affect cities? How does this affect the way we commute, right? How does this affect transportation? So there's all of these interesting overlaps that you're hitting on, and, and, I, and I absolutely love it. So, uh, you know, last questions for you, Jonathan, you know, in the next five to 10 years, right, what are the three things that you think our unleashing the future of work community needs to do to prepare for this future that we we've been talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a tough topic. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 I don't have a um, you know way to to say any of the, give any advice with any type of massive certainty, but there's things that are more likely than others, and we yeah. need to say that. Um. You, you, you know, one way to think about the future is data shows that by 2030, mm. which is really only a little over nine years away, yeah, uh, we could displace about 800 million jobs in the world. Wow. That's 20% of the world's workforce uh, displaced by artificial intelligence, robotics, and automation. That's a worst case scenario. That's, you know, that's where we mm. have... Uh, Significant societal challenges. We rarely mm. get those extremes, though. We 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 rarely get those extremes. The other argument, of course, and this is true of the other industrial revolutions, is each revolution actually created more work and more opportunity, and the employment mm. needs were greater. Um, you know, you think about today, even with the with the uh, all the technology we have and all the automation we have. Um, you know, many. Many nations, including the United States, are booming in terms of jobs. I mean, mm. it, it's funny to talk about a more negative future in a context of where we're actually creating a lot more work right now. Yeah, um, but you can't. There's more, the, there's there's more the, abundance than ever. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and but it, but you you can't really base the long term on a point in time.
0: Mm. You know?
1: The best example of that is climate change. You know, if it, if it's cold tomorrow, that doesn't give you any indication. You've got to look at the actual trends over over decades, right? Um, so, I mean, there's so many angles we could we could look at this question. Everything from if we do go to extreme automation, what mm-hmm. does that mean to to tax revenues? You know, when you're not getting mm-hmm. as much payroll, and um, there's there, there's those kinds of things. But you asked me about sort of three things. Yeah. The first thing is. Maybe this, sorry if this is too basic, but recognize that that change is underway, that what you're doing right now might not be relevant in a few years. Mm. Um, you know, if you, if you can recognize that, it means you're sort of beginning to think about options that change might be ahead. Look, maybe not, right? Maybe you're going to be fine. Maybe you're sort of towards the end of your career and you're like, I don't care. I'm <laughs> I'm close enough to retirement. Things are going to be fine. But maybe you're watching this uh, video and 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 you're starting your career and you're like, oh my goodness you know i've just gone to school for a while and and now um you know i I've, I've got to think about a 30 to 40 year you know career and i'm not sure what i'm going to do in the future so just acknowledging that um you know there there is opportunity that that you may have to change and and and, and think of other opportunity mm-hmm. i think the second piece of advice would be there are jobs that are going to continue to be useful and and even new ones that are 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 really in high demand i'm a tech guy so i i generally uh, trend towards tech answers. Um, look, if, if you are uh, interested in data and, and data science broadly, uh, th- there is going to be abundant opportunity. So, mm-hmm. so data science is, is a healthy um, and actually really interesting space. The second one is cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, boy, do we need more people in that space. You know, as we become a more digital uh, society, which is clear. Uh, the, the, the attack vectors, the opportunity for problems Mm. are also increasing. Um, and so we need lots of people working on, on, on that. Um, people who facilitate things like project managers, business Mm. analysts, product uh, managers, product managers, still really important work. And then you get the broader category of like, um, of just right-brained thinkers, you know, the arts, you know, right, um, creative work design. Um, all, all, all good opportunities. Nursing, by the way, nursing will continue to be mm-hmm. very. Um, by the way, we just we need we need millions of nurses. Yeah. Um, in the higher professions, it'll be interesting to see what in the higher healthcare professionals. It'll be very interesting to monitor progress in in automation and AI because that that is an area that will likely be disrupted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's not clear now in, in 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 what ways and what the role of you know, highly specialized medicine will take. Um, what was what the third thing? The word, the third thing. Oh, I got it. I got it. <laughs> and you'll like this. You're going to like <laughs> commit yourself to lifelong learning. Yes. I love that. <laughs> learning is not a four year degree yeah. or two year masters. Learning is the, your life. Yeah. And, you know, um, uh, I, I I love this saying. I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase it because I, I I won't get it right now. But you know, the challenge is not necessarily to simply acquire knowledge and, and be able to do it, mm. to, to, to work act on it. The, the the challenge in the future is gonna be um to be able to evolve and acquire new knowledge for the new needs. Mm. Um, so um I think that's what we gotta think about. Um I do think, and it's the evidence supports this that uh, online learning is is hotter than ever. I yeah. um, you was know, thinking about this: if people are going to be home for the next couple of months, you know, more than <laughs> they ever have, and you're getting a little bored, or you know, um, boys, are a lot of good stuff online. You know, um, you know, on the, on the on the free side, YouTube and Vimeo have some of the most incredible, you know, free training videos. But Seriously. on the premium side, you got you got LinkedIn Learning, which of course I'm going to advocate for. Just really high quality content. Um, and you got check you got out Jonathan's course. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon? <laughs> I was yours? telling them to check out your course, right? Oh, any I've got lots and lots of courses online. Yeah. Yeah. Everything from smart cities to blockchain to quantum computing, uh, data governance. Um, you know, I've got a lot of material online, uh, a lot of videos. Um, so I think I think those are three yeah. sort of starting points for folks to think about.
0: So really recognizing change, you all, and if some of you all are currently watching right now and you're interested in going into spaces such as data science, artificial intelligence, recognizing there's opportunity in that sector as well because there's so much educational material online. In fact, that's actually... Actually, watching Jonathan's courses is what educated me about the future of work, artificial intelligence. So for me, lifelong learning has always been a passion of mine, uh, Jonathan. And, you know, I I love how that's your last point, because I think people don't realize how to do it in today's generation. But I do also at the same time realize that people are doing it, but it's always, you know. When um, on their own time and it's sometimes it's not with a purpose. And I think, you know, in the future, we have to start thinking about lifelong learning with intent. Right, because people like it's all a matter of growth, and as long yeah. as people are um, learning things that feel will take them to the next level, I think you know it'll, it'll become more of a precedent. And with that said, I want to shout out and show love to our amazing community who is loving what you're saying, Jonathan. Um, Daniel is saying future jobs for fields that involve integration, facilitation, and compassion are going to be hot. So, Dude, and he also right. says he loves your entire point on lifelong learning. Hashtag always be learning. Edward is saying, best conversation ever. The opportunities are diverse, and so is the guest. Thanks, Tim. Your questions are deep and spot on, too. Well done. So, he's loving what we're putting out there. And in addition, Martita is loving your book. She really is interested in it. And, you know, she asked earlier, you know, are you going to talk about poverty? So, I think she's really excited for your book to come out, man. So, definitely, uh, we'll make sure to share a link to the book that's on Amazon for pre order, correct? Yes. to the comments later on you know and with that said you know jonathan i want to ask you you know where can the people find more information about the work that you're doing
1: well i'm pretty easy to find you know the <laughs> um i think uh i'm a big user of twitter still you know i'm still trying to still <laughs> figure out where it, what's going on with twitter and where it's headed it's a, it's a big unknown to me but i still find it to be useful to share and to learn from, I learn. Yeah. I mean, I follow great people who I learn lots from, and, and I, I I I actually follow a lot of funny things, um, <laughs> so, you know, it's nice for a laugh here and there. Um, but I recognize there's you know a bit of nastiness out there too, and that 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 goes without say. So so Twitter is a good one at as you can see on the on the screen here. Uh, please do follow me. Um, uh, but if you wanted to talk more and maybe even exchange ideas or you yeah, know whatever it is you, you you'd like to do that I can help you with. Uh, I think LinkedIn is probably the best place. Um, I'm very, very responsive. So you can either you know, follow me or you know, connect with me and, and, and send me a direct message. Um, and then I have my own personal website, which is really complicated. It's <laughs> reikental.com. <laughs> you can go to reikental.com and you see a lot of my videos and podcasts and articles that I've written there um many of the courses i do at big universities are available for sign up there um so i think i think those are the ways um you know between twitter and linkedin you, you got and, and my rightcantile.com you got you got me <laughs>
0: <laughs> dr rightcantile is incredibly active on twitter so definitely give him a follow and our followers and our community is saying that they are sh- they are showing up and they're going to support your book daniel has already oh. placed his pre order Mr. No supply way. Chain. Yep. Oh and Patricia goodness. says that she has already sent you a friend request on LinkedIn. So you are building community, Jonathan. Oh, thank uh, you. So with, nice. <laughs> with that said, Unleashing the Future of Work community, thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode with me and Dr. Reichenthal. And we appreciate you. I think, you know, it's so fascinating, uh, Jonathan, everything that you said about the future of work, how leadership cha- is changing, and how the affinity that we have with our cities is going to change. Is spot on, and I, for one, am very excited to pick up Smart Cities for Dummies. I think it's going to be one of the best books written this year um, around a passion area of mine. So we're really looking forward for it. Forward to it, Jonathan.
1: Well, well, well. Thank you so much, Tim. You, you do a fantastic job. Well done on a on a great podcast. Uh, love your style, and I wish you a lot of su- continued success with Guide and your <laughs> future work work. Um, so, you know, terrific, uh, to get to know you. And, uh, I think we're going to grab a cup of coffee here in a few weeks. I look forward to spending a bit more time with you. Let's do it. Let's do it. With that said, you all,
0: thank you so much for tuning into another episode of unleashing the future of work. Yasmin, shout out to you for tuning in. Thank you all so much and peace out. See you soon. <laughs>